Ving Yang says that if you are a 10 out of 10 technically, but only a 2 out of 10 at communicating, you're really going to be paid like a 2 out of 10. You're going to be perceived like a 2 out of 10. You're going to have the effectiveness of a 2 out of 10. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't communicate, you're limiting yourself. Welcome back, everybody, to the Grow with Tim podcast. I'm Jay Dude. This is Tim, of course. Um, you know, Tim, actually, before I get into it, I showed a little bit of our stuff to one of my sons. He's two, and he asked, who's that? And I said, it's my friend. It's Tim. What's his last name? Or whatever. So the Grow with Tim podcast does have a last name out there with Tim Joyner, specifically, but my two-year-old wanted to know. You don't have a last name, though, because <laughs> like my kids sometimes will ask about you the same way, and I just say J.D.U., and everybody knows who Yep, there it is. No name. Uh, so we are here in a new location, if you happen to be watching us on video, but uh, we appreciate you joining us at growwithtim.com and seeing us, uh, hearing us on the platforms wherever you are. Tim, here is our thoughts today. Communication, we've been chatting a little bit about how we're going to have these stories uh, and this helpful tips communicated to our audience. And uh, I want to start out with a personal example that you can now kick off and run with and go with. But the age-old dating scenario. When if you if you grew up in a traditional family and I would say super traditional I think both of us did as well um, when you are getting to that place where you want to be serious with your now wife the questions that you might have gotten which I got were what are your intentions with my daughter right yeah. that's how it always works on the sitcoms right. <laughs> that makes for fun movies you know what are your intentions there's that father-in-law figure or brothers of your wife or something like that that get in your face. What are your intentions? To be clear, to communicate, to let us know you're not messing around. All those things can be so important. And uh, obviously, you were pretty effective there at one point because you got yourself <laughs> a great wife, good family and all that, and I've done that too. But we're here to talk a little bit about how to communicate well, effectively, be perceived as a 2 out of 10 because there's a lot of great people who listen to what you do and who are in the circles we're involved with that are 10 out of 10s technically. Yeah. I've known so many people that just that, they're 10 out of 10s. Like they're highly skilled, they're smart, they're talented, ambitious, and they are successful, but they could be so much more successful if they fix this problem. Like they, their communication wanders, it's vague, it, it takes too long. They, we talked last week about sort of like they're trying to make a point. It's like this plane circling the airport and they can't bring it in mm -hmm. for landing. Um, and you know, you hear all these studies, Gartner did a study recently that said 90% of corporate problems, corporate mistakes are caused by miscommunication. I don't know how they got that exactly. I didn't read the whole study, but that was the headline. And, and other studies have shown, you know, teams that communicate well achieve like a 25% productivity boost relative to their peers. Mm. So like, I mean, who wouldn't want to make 90% fewer mistakes and have 25% more productivity? Like communication matters. But somehow, most of us just sort of assume that whatever our natural communication level is, it's sort of fixed. And that's not true. Like, communication gets better with instruction and practice like anything else. And so, let's, uh, let's talk about how to Yes, do let's dive in. So, I know that you have studied this topic specifically and given some talks, lectures, and done kind of a um, R&D around yeah. this. Okay, yeah. so give it to us. Let us let, we're going to let you lead today on the podcast. I'll jump in where I can, but I know you are an expert at being not only a 10 out of 10, 
but being perceived as a 10 out of 10. Well, that, that's very generous. <laughs> I don't know that it, it may be more generous than true, but I have done a lot of thinking about it. You know, I've given keynotes on this. You mentioned that. In fact, just this morning, I was talking to a group about this, and, and I've got 15 or 20 kind of core principles mm, for okay. mostly business-focused communication. We don't have time to do all that in a 20 or 30-minute podcast, but let's hit a couple of them. I think one foundational concept is that you've got to do the hard thinking for your conversation partner. Whether this is an email that you're going to send or a Slack or a phone call or a speech that you're going to give or just a one-on-one conversation or meeting or whatever it is, you've got to do the hard thinking. Most of us are lazy when it comes to communication. We just sort of open our mouth and let whatever we're thinking spill out mm. with, without a lot of forethought or planning. So what do I mean when I say do the hard thinking? I mean, let's start by asking ourselves, what is this person going to ask after they read this email? Or after they hear this this announcement or right. whatever, like okay. what are they going to yep. ask, and try to answer that in your original message, right? So, you know, Gmail. If you're a Gmail user, you see a little number, right, right next to the thread. You got yes. the thread there, right? So either it should have been a meeting, right? If you've got a bunch of back and forth, that would probably should have been a meeting, okay. or the first email was sloppy. So how does this go down? I send you an email asking you to do something. You don't have enough information to do it, so it's not actionable for you. You write back, you ask some questions. That probably generates some more questions. 18 replies later, you finally have, and and by the way, 18 interruptions later, now we've interrupted each other a total of 18 times or whatever it is, and and we're both busy. We're not just sitting there waiting. So maybe four or five days have gone by at this point. During all of this time, absolutely zero forward momentum has happened. No work has gotten done. We just wasted each other's time and we've interrupted each other. Finally, after 18 replies, you've got what you need to do to do it. Now, what if I'd done the hard thinking ahead of time? What if I served it up on a silver platter? I gave you all the context. I told you where to find whatever it is. I gave you the password that you're going to need. I gave you the, the inputs for the decisions that you're going to need to make. Like, I thought through all the questions that you're likely to have, and I served all that up in six bullet points in my initial email, and I hit send, and you read it once. And after that one email, you've got everything you need to do to actually execute that plan. And now in like 30 minutes instead of six days, right. you've done it a lot less frustration, a lot more efficient. But that requires me to do that. Right. That's thinking. what I'm saying. That requires the person to put the thought into it. And I think it was Watson, maybe, who's IBM's kind of his leader at the beginning, who said all the problems in the world could be solved if men would just think. Yeah, you know, right. so I, it made me think of this. I just looked it up on my phone. Abraham Lincoln, we've heard this one. Now, there's a lot of quotes on the internet, Tim, that may or may not actually have come from Abraham yeah, Lincoln. Right. But this one, I see it Kinda all the like time. statistics. You know, 37.7% of statistics are made up on the spot. There it is. Yeah, right, yep. right, right. All right. If I only had an hour to chop down a tree, yeah. I would spend the first 45 minutes sharpening yeah. my axe. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about. Before you get into delivering information, you've thought through yeah. what, why, how, who's getting it, and all a little bit about that. Yep. Yeah. So do the hard thinking. I think the this and we could talk about that a lot and give lots of examples, but let's keep moving. I think the second big principle is if you have to choose, prefer clarity over politeness. Hmm. Now, hopefully you can do both. Hopefully you can be polite and clear. Okay. But if you have to choose, prefer clarity. So let me give you a silly example, right? Let's say that I go to my son. This, of course, never happens in real life. Uh, of course, of course. Right. Let, let's say that I go to my son and I say, you know, son, it'd be really great if you cleaned up your room before soccer practice. I'm being polite. I'm not trying to boss him around or like micromanage him. I'm ex- and and hopefully 
he takes the hand, he cleans his room, but there's no guarantee that he's going to do that. That is right? correct. Right? right. Well, you didn't, you didn't say I had to. You just said it'd be nice. Right? Let's say that I go to an employee and I'm really frustrated with this technology platform that we've got. And I write three paragraphs about how it's too slow and it's too expensive and this bad thing is happening and I'm really frustrated by it. And then I kind of trail off at the end with this sentence that says, thanks for your consideration. Well, what the heck is he supposed to do with that? Right. what What I hope he'll do is say, oh, I should research alternative platforms and make a recommendation for how we could switch and solve all these problems. That's what I hope he'll do. But maybe he reads it and he says, man, Tim's really really uh, ticked off today. He, he must have a bad day. I guess he just had to let off some steam and like delete, you know, he moves on to his next project right. because he, I wasn't clear. I didn't tell him what I wanted. So I was trying to, in that case, maybe not be polite because I was venting, but, but I, was, I wasn't trying to like tell him what to do because I didn't want to, you know, be a boss or yeah, whatever. right. But how much better would it have been if I just said a sentence at the end, would you please look into alternative options and make a recommendation? That's all it's got to be. It's a one-liner. But but be clear. Mm-hmm. Don't just trail off and like, well, it'd be nice. I hope. I kind of read my mind. Do what I want. You know. And Tell I think as a want. leader, what you had said previously about making sure there's forward more momentum towards your goals is what's really important. And that doesn't mean that you're not polite to this person and pleasant and tell right. them they look great when you see them one-on-one. Right. But when it comes to business communication, you got to be clear that we're trying to move an initiative forward. Yeah. And I think sometimes folks, including myself from time to time, who's a people person, an extrovert, I get hung up on that because I want to be funny. I yeah. want to be perceive you know perceived as a, a nice guy today right and so i'm thinking in terms of politeness over clarity because normally i don't think i would quite understand like why those two things yeah yeah and again i don't think you have to be rude i don't want you to be a jerk but sometimes we sacrifice clarity in what because we we think we're being polite and we're just like suggesting or hinting at something it'd be really nice if Give up on the on the trying to be polite and just say what it is that needs to happen. Very good. Politeness. Love to hear it. Okay, so what do you have next for us? All right, so related to that mm-hmm. is setting and managing expectations. Okay. All right, so I think the root of nearly every disappointment and frustration in this world is like misaligned or unmet expectations. Right? You think about it, whether you're talking about a marriage, whether you're talking about kids, whether you're talking about business associates, partnerships, it's... Look, if you're expecting one thing and I'm expecting something else and and I act on my expectations and you act on we're bound to be frustrated and disappointed. Right. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. So let's take a client scenario. Let's say that my client has a problem that they expect me to solve and they email me or call me or whatever and I know that my development team is really backed up and there's several other high priorities they're working on and realistically it's going to be next Friday before they're able to get to this issue that they want done. But to them it's like their number one priority. Right. So their expectation is this thing is going to be fixed today or tomorrow or something, right? And my expectation is going to be fixed next Friday. If I don't manage that expectation, if I don't set it, no good thing can come out of this, right? <laughs> right, right. So they call me, and maybe, back to the politeness thing, maybe I'm scared to tell them it's going to be Friday. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say something kind of weasily like, ah, yeah, oh, th- I know that's a really big deal to you. 
we are going to do our absolute best. We're going to get on this as soon as possible, which to them means today. Right. And right. to me means next Friday. But it wasn't Things clear. Things are not going to go well. Yeah. So I've got to set that expectation. I've got to say, you know what? I wish I could tell you that we could get to that tomorrow. Frankly, if I told you that, it'd just be a lie. We're, I'm not going to be, I've got some people out, whatever the situation may be, for whatever reason, um, probably next Friday is the soonest I can get that to you. If I'm able to get it sooner, I certainly will, but let's, let's plan to get together on Friday to go over this. Well, that's going to be painful, but it's a little bit of pain now versus what would have been a lot of pain where like every day they're calling me like, what the heck? This stall isn't done. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, right, I didn't ever right. plan to get it done until Friday. And right? it's hogging up your time and your energy in future because you were only thinking about mitigating, pushing off, yeah. pushing off the problem, kicking the ball down the, you know, kicking the can down the street. Um, and I love what you said there about, I wish I could tell you. Right. Coming up with some language and some communication that helps you through the tougher conversation scenarios the truth will set you free yeah right so yeah tell them the truth tell them the truth all progress starts with telling the truth and to ourselves and to we we might wish that we're going to get it done tomorrow but we're just not and it's not and sometimes i just say it flat out like i wish i could tell you that if i did it'd just be a lie Mm -hmm. the best answer i can give you is next friday they're going to be upset a little bit but it will be so much better that then if i deliver it on a thursday let's say or or even friday they're going to be happy but if they're expecting it tomorrow and it takes me a week, they're going to be really PO'd. Yeah. And, and the collective pain is a lot worse. So right. set expectations. Let's, let's take that scenario a little bit further, Jeremiah. Let's say that um, I get to, I told them Friday, and I get to Thursday, and I don't know, something went wrong. There, there was um, another wrinkle to this that we didn't anticipate. We didn't plan well, or they didn't tell, or they changed something. For whatever reason... It's now going to be Monday before mm-hmm. it gets done. Okay. I know this on Thursday. What do I do? Well, I need to know the language, right? I need to upgrade my communication, know the language, and I think you will say something about making sure that I go ahead and communicate something now. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what do I communicate yeah. in advance. Yeah. What I, what, if, if I'm like most people... I'm hoping that they just don't notice. Right? Yes, which and I've I'm been just in that gonna, scenario. I'm just going to bury my head times. in the sand, and I'm going to deliver it on Monday and hope right. that... They didn't ask me on Friday. Guess right. what? They're going to notice. Yeah, okay. Right? They're going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's much better to call them and say, hey, I just want to let you know we are trying our best to deliver this. I know that we committed to Friday. There's still a possibility that I'll get it done on Friday. That's still my intention. But X, Y, and Z went sideways because of this unforeseen, whatever it is. Um, It now looks likely that it's going to happen on Monday. And I just wanted to give you as much advance notice as possible. If I can get it done tomorrow, I will. But it's probably going to be done Monday. And I want to let you know right away so you could plan accordingly. They're going to say, wow, that's disappointing. But thank you for letting me know. You know, that that affects some of my planning. Yeah. I'll do. It's much better than just. It is, right. And when you're talking about being in a leadership role, and uh, entrepreneur, CEO, uh, we got to keep those customers. So we want to be clear. We want to, because we could lose customers, obviously, by the missed expectations as they pile up, right? Because yeah. eventually they blow up. Yep. You got it. You got it. So do the hard thinking, anticipate the questions, answer ahead of time, prefer clarity over uh, politeness. politeness. Sometimes that means delivering bad news, but you've got to set expectations. Don't just assume that your expectations are the same as mine. And so often, people pleasers, I think both of us tend, to, tend toward this, like, 
we don't really want to put a fine point on it. We just rather sort of hope that you read my mind and hope, but you got to be clear and you've got to set and manage those expectations. Number four is, is, um, work from general to specific. Okay. What do you mean by that? Usually when you have two people in a conversation, they have exact opposite needs. Let me explain. Hmm. I've been thinking about some problem or issue for the last three hours. Since I got up this morning, I've been thinking about this thing, and I know that as soon as I see you today, I'm going to tell you about this problem and, and my idea for how to solve it. So I see... Now, question. Have you been thinking about the same problem for the last three hours? Right. No. Probably not. I, I wouldn't know Probably that not. you have been. But I have been, and so I jump in right in the middle, which yep. is where I am. Right. And I say, all right, this problem, I think I got a solution we're going to do. And you're like, what the heck are you talking about? Like... Where did this come from, right? So what you need is some context. You need to work from general to specific. But I've already done that. I'm now in the middle of it. I want to work back out. So if I'm not careful, I'm going to start in the middle, which does you no good because you can't actively work on this problem. You can't even understand what I'm talking about until I work from general to specific. Right. I think the best illustration of this is in software. Our listeners may or may not be in software, but just imagine that you're reporting a bug. You're testing software. You're using software. And so you're clicking through this application process or whatever, and you get down to page three, and you hit the submit button, and you get this error message. Mm-hmm. So you put in a ticket, or you call the developer, tech support or whatever, and you say, hey, um, I get an error message when I click the submit button. Can you help? For you, that makes perfect sense because you know how you got there. Right. But to the developer who's supporting 15 different applications, he has no idea what you're talking about. So you, you, you start to unpack it. He asks you a question. Well, where is the submit button? Oh, it's on the, the, the new donor application form. Okay. Uh, where? where? Oh, it's on like the second page of that form. Okay. What application are we talking about? Oh, it's the... So what if instead I said, you know, let's say that I put in a ticket. And I might literally, if, if it's in written communication, I might literally say donations application. That's the name of the app. Colon. New donor form. That's the space I'm in. Mm-hmm. Colon. Page three. Colon. Bottom section. Colon. When I click the submit button, I get this error message. Now, in one sentence, that guy immediately knows what I'm talking about. He right. knows how to reproduce the error. I worked from general to specific. That's a really concrete example. But if I'm coming to you talking about a project for some event that we're going to co-host next month, I need to start by saying, hey, I've been thinking about XYZ event. Okay, now you got the idea. Mm-hmm. In the afternoon, we're planning to do such and such. Okay, I'm bringing it in. Part two of that is going to be this game show. And I think if we did it this way, and, so, and I'm, it only took me 10 seconds to do that, but it, it orients you, right. and immediately you're able to be a productive member of this conversation. Love it. So I think the... Um file path, basically, that you kind of talked about for a second has probably happened to a lot of us. Where do I find this information? Where do I find this file or something like that? I'm not in software as much, so the application idea took me to, hey, well, it's in the folder called new. Right. Well, there might be 10,000 folders called new, new folder, or it's the latest version. You're going to have to lead someone down that path or give them a direct link, you know, to yeah. something like that. So, but that's going to give them the context from general to specific. Here's the direct link to where I'm talking about, to where we're going, so you don't have to try to 
go back and forth and unpack it with me and get back to the general knowledge so I understand what your goals were. All this is related to a concept called the curse of knowledge. Mm -hmm. There's a book by this topic okay. that is pretty interesting, but basically the, the idea is that once I know something, it's really hard for me to imagine not knowing it. Okay. So mm -hmm. once this information becomes part of me, then like I don't even remember what it was like to not know it. So it's a curse, the curse of knowledge, right? So this, at the simplest level, this could just be jargon, right? It's an acronym that I know, and I'm talking to you about, I don't know, EBITDA, or I'm talking about some financial metric or whatever, and I've been using this metric for 20 years, and I know exactly what it means, and, you, and I'm expecting you to keep up in this conversation, but you don't know what that particular acronym means, right? I've got to always be thinking about what does my conversation partner not know that he needs to know in order for him to be successful at this role. And right. so in the case of working from general to specific, that's just giving context. In the case of clarity or my intentions or whatever, it's what do I, what do I know that he needs to know in order for this to make yep. sense? Love to hear it. All right. What's your next thought? So I think a related idea is, is really applicable in email chains. Okay. Right. Um, we talked about this earlier about, you know, if, if you get a, a number of over three or four or, or whatever, that's a problem. But I, have you experienced this? Where, oh, 100%. So, 100%. So I am a uh, active in the community, as you know, where we live, and I am on a few boards here and there where there's kind of like a, it's a meeting in an email because there's a lot of different people going a lot of different directions. Now there's a specific goal, like an invite to something important or a please respond to this yeah. if you're going to be involved, things like that. But what happens in a specific uh, environment where we probably all get this, obviously family as well, right? Family sometimes it's everybody who's coming to the cookout or the family reunion is going to be looped into this. But in my family, only the ladies are actually the ones, you know, like all the guys kind of know, but they, I mean, my wife is going to take care of this basically. But this one specific group is a nonprofit board. So I love the mission of what's going on there. But these emails just keep getting replied to. And none of it is new information that I need to take action on ever. It normally starts out with something from the CEO that I need to know. But then these response chains and the folks in nonprofit world, you got to give them a little slack. Some of these folks, you know, are retired. They got time. They're not sitting in a corporate environment looking at 20 emails that day. Right. Right. So uh, or, or 100 emails yeah, that right. day. So they're looking at two emails and think they need to respond to everybody. Think they need to let everybody know what's. Oh, goodness. And those things get muddy because then I end up. You probably have this thought as well. I end up being desensitized to what I was supposed to know. Yeah. Which of these 50 responses is something that I need to look at because yeah. I've started to ignore them. Yeah. So that, that brings me to another point that I think is really important. And in, in communication, like technical communication, like in radio communication, there's this thing called signal to noise ratio, mm -hmm. right? Um, okay. But I think it's a great metaphor for all of just human human communication you've got to make sure that there's not so much noise irrelevant distracting stuff that you miss the signal so a, a practical ex example of this is your inbox if you've got all kinds of junk mail coming in oh yeah 
and all these lists and sales and stuff that you you routinely like you wake up in the morning swipe 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 if you're deleting 25 emails before you get out of bed in the morning that's a whole lot of noise you need to unsubscribe now first off tim you got to you're giving people some credit here there's a lot of folks out there <clears throat> mom who <laughs> don't delete them yeah right they're just laughs. right that's true that's true that's yeah. even worse right that's even worse but here's the thing there's so many problems with this number one you're wasting a lot of time and mental energy to swipe through it but you are literally training your brain that this inbox is unimportant mm. like you're training your brain to ignore stuff right it's the same way with calendars calendars by the way ought to be a great communication tool not everybody uses them this way but calendars should be a great communication tool if I'm going to have lunch with you, I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm going to invite you. And by the way, I'm not going to say lunch with J.D. because then it's going to show up on your calendar. That's a good point. Lunch with J.D. Which, does, which I have, I have with lunch myself. with myself every day. I don't know what this means. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So I might put the location. I might put the topic. You're the right. topic is ideal. Yes, if, if we yeah. know what we're yeah. going to talk about, we're going to talk about podcast planning. Well, then right. podcast planning is... is and, and if I really want to remember and I think I'm going to not want to look at the guest list I could put in parentheses you know TJ comma JD or whatever I love that one yeah okay so so calendars ought to be a communication tool but I find people use calendars in a corporate environment there might be 20 people invited to this meeting and really only five people are going to be there but you're on this recurring meeting every week and what happens is people look at their calendar they know they're never going to go to that meeting, mm-hmm. but they don't get themselves off it. They just leave it there, and they're never going to go to that meeting. And they have five or six meetings on their calendar every week that they have no intention of going to. And what it's doing is it's training their brain to ignore their calendar. It's like, well, it doesn't mean anything. And then you put something that actually I need you to come to on this calendar, and and I miss it because I haven't. We're I'm not completely desensitized. Or some yeah. people use calendars as a to-do list, which there's actually something to be said for that. If it's important enough to be done, it probably deserves a slot on your calendar. You need to block off an hour to write this blog post or whatever it is that you're going to do. But some people put recurring things like cancel Netflix subscription. They're like, I'm going to cancel my net, but I'm, I probably won't do it the first. I know myself. I'm not going to do it the first time <laughs> I put it on there. So I'm going to make it a recurring daily reminder and tell it. And three months later, you still haven't canceled your stupid subscription. Mm -hmm. What have you done? You've trained your brain to ignore it. You've also started three new shows. Yeah, that too. (laughs) That too. So your noise is going up and it's drowning out the signal. So whether it's in an email chain, right? That's how we got onto this whole thing. Like if if most of this communication is irrelevant, you've got to figure out a way to unsubscribe or ask your team to get you off that meeting or whatever it is so that the noise goes down relative to the signal coming up and you can actually focus on what the gift of focus is like the most important thing right you you're fo- you people talk about managing time it's really more about managing focus and attention and if my attention is getting chopped into a thousand pieces i'm never going to get anything done so i've got to get rid of the noise so that i can focus on the signal love it love it time keeps on slipping into the future i don't know if you remember seal and space jam and that great soundtrack back in the day (laughs) but we don't manage time we manage what we do time keeps on going yeah yeah one or two more things and then i'll call it call it a wrap so this is sort of obvious to most people especially if you work in a big corporation you've probably been taught this but a lot of entrepreneurs and smaller businesses are not really good at documenting things. Mm. So you and I have this great verbal conversation. We solve problems, we commit to action items, whatever, but there's no, there's no document, there's no artifact of that conversation. Two problems with that. Um, number one is 
we may think we have clarity that we don't. And number two is maybe you and I aren't going to do this, but somebody else that's less ethical than we are maybe is going to take advantage of it. Mm. So, so we have a conversation. Let's say I'm talking to a client, and, and the client agrees to do X, Y, and Z by this date, and then I'm going to do A, B, and C by this date. Right. Okay. All right. I need to send an email that says, hey, just a quick recap of our call. You agreed to do X, Y, and Z by such and such a date. Um, once I have confirmation that that's done, I'll do this. I'll finish my part by this date. We'll meet again in a week to discuss the next steps. All right. Well, maybe we were confused. Maybe he was confused or I was confused. He actually thought I was going to do both things. Well, by virtue of sending that email, he's going to say, wait a minute, I thought you were going to do that thing. Right. So one is I ensure clarity. Yeah. But two is it's a CYA thing. Because maybe his boss is going to put pressure on him next week to say, why isn't that thing done? And, and he's going to throw shit and say, Tim, what's, what's going on? You and I discussed this and you agreed to do such and yeah, such. Yeah. I never agreed to yeah. any such thing. Or, right. Or just try to push it off to the boss or the client that someone else had that responsibility. Right. Not even, not even being, what I've dealt with is that kind of passive aggressive approach in the office is we're going to still be cordial to each other, but I acted in a way that made you seem like you weren't covering your right. end of the deal when you weren't around. And if I don't have an email <laughs> right. or something, I don't have a leg to stand yeah. on, right? right? So, I mean, it's not like you, you're ugly about it or you're, and you don't have to record a book, but just a couple bullet points. These are the decisions that we made. Mm-hmm. These are the action items we committed to. Capturing that in an email or some sort of communication, Slack or whatever it is, can just save you so much frustration. That happened to me in my one corporate environment that I was in after school when I had an actual job job. And what was going on over there was we'd have group and team meetings and the boss man would finish up that meeting. I literally would leave with no action items. So it was one of those meetings where I wondered why or should I, do I need to be here? And at the end of the meetings, he had this call to action in his mind, mm-hmm. that was, all right, let's go get after it. Yeah. I didn't have anything to get after. Who? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Right. I don't know what your, and the issue became that our meetings were always, uh, instead of proactive, they were reactive because things were going wrong. Yep. But I didn't understand, and I'm sure other people didn't have clarity on, I mean, what does get at, let's get after <laughs> it mean? And this was in, a, I'll just be a little more clear, this was in a sports environment, and we had an outdoor stadium facility, so some of those times, the one time it hit me the most hard where I really don't know what to do in the case of our contingent plan, fall through, was rain. Mm. It was, if there's weather, we're just going to get after it. I was <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. Like, uh, there's going to be hundreds to thousands of people involved in coming yeah. into the stadium. Yeah. And we're going to have to do something. Yeah. And I don't have a clue. And I have a division. I'm a division leader. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that is. And I know that I'm going to have action. But you're going to get after happen. it. Yes. Well, I'm going to get after <laughs> it. I don't know what we do. Like, I really don't know. No, let's just, those let's just have meetings, good vibes. It's not going to rain. And let's get after it. Those I was like, but what if it does? It's <laughs> such a colossal waste of time. Yeah. Like, you, you, there's no forward momentum. You don't know anything you didn't know before you came in. You don't, there's no committed action items. There's nothing's going to get done. You're going to meet the next week and you're going to say, if it rains, do get after it. Right. And nothing's going to happen. So how much better would it be if you actually did the hard work, get down to clarity, precision, 
and say, okay, this is the game plan. If it rains, Jeremiah, you're going to do this. Susan, you're going to do this. Sam, you're going to do this. Here's how we're going to accommodate the guests over here. Like, I'm not saying that one person should dictate all that, but have clarity and have action items. Right. And, and by the way, have deadlines. In the case of rain, it may maybe when it rains, you're going to do this. But but typically, if we make decisions, we reach clarity about this this uh, plan, whatever it is, the project that we're working on. Like, okay, so Sam, you're going to do this. Bob, you're going to do this. We're going to meet back and report on our progress right. next week. And then we're going to start next week's meeting by saying, all right, Bob, you committed to having this done by today. How'd that go? Yeah, I did it. Sam, uh, yeah, mm. Sam's not going to be to too many meetings getting called out before right. Sam learns. i got to have my stuff together before yeah. we have the next meeting. You're going to actually move forward as a company and get stuff done. But ending up the meeting with like, hey, good meeting, everybody. Let's get after it. Nothing's going to happen. Right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed Grow With Tim. We've talked a little bit about communication, being clear, being concise. Starting from general to specific, there's so many things that you can go do. So between now and the next time we get together and you're listening to us, go get after it.